go, Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You know what they say, ho. KGB agent Strelnikov Isaac Estepanovich. Um, how are you doing today, Strelnikov? All right, all right. It's it's okay, but I would prefer to call me. You know, it's all right. Strelnikov's fine. Strelnikov is good. Okay. I mean, if you want me to call you Stepan, uh, Agent Stepanovich or former Agent Stepanovich or Mr. Stepanovich, I'm comfortable with whatever. Form yeah. of address you prefer? Yes, I prefer Australian, please. Okay. Are you comfortable with doing the video or would you rather not do the video interview? I would rather not. I mean, no problem. But I prefer to talk. Okay, uh, no problem. I, I'd be happy to uh, shut the video. Not a problem. Let me go ahead and kill that camera okay. and we can do without that. Thank you. Okay, let me get, get rid of you here. Shrink it down so tiny that nobody could possibly see it, and I have no need to have myself up there either. In that case, since everybody already has a pretty good idea what I look like by now. Anyway, it is a pleasure to have you on uh, today, Mr. Stepanovich. First, I'd like to thank you for agreeing to do an audio interview, a part video, I guess. The listening audience knows that I've written countless yeah, articles stress, right? based on information you provided exclusively to me. I know you are a wealth of knowledge, but today. I'd like to focus on a single topic, Vladimir Putin's war against an extraterrestrial race called the Anunnaki. Before we get there, though, would you be willing to give us a little of your backstory, your education, work history, and your relationship to Vladimir Putin? Yes, Mike, but please, you know, I don't like all this Mr. This and Mr. That, just call Strelnikov. In Russia, we very much informal, you know, we sit around doing podcasts, sing songs and uh, tell jokes. I listen to your other interviews with two scientists where, how you say, anal, anal retentive, right? Demanding you to address them as doctor. Yeah. Just yeah. clinical and I would love, like it to be like that. Okay, not a problem. Like I said, I will be happy to call you any name you find acceptable. Um, right. And no problem. We like to keep things informal here on someone's bones and the beer news. So go ahead. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Let me think where to start. After high school, I conscripted to Russian military. My U.S. this is sort of Russian equivalent to United States Army, MOS. I was an, like an intelligence scout. I became very fascinated with gathering information and, that, and espionage. When I, I see y'all talking about y'all already. Hey, yeah, we already seen you, bruh. Like, <laughs> nigga, you was asking for it. You feel me? <laughs> we, army, I go to KGB, but they turn me down. I see. Turned you down? Yes, they did. They said I had good military service, but they were recruiting only two types of people. Those with college degree and a few for suicide missions. 
agent told me if they recruit me, then I would be sent to a mission and probably not come home. So I went to college. Probably a wise choice given the opportunities you had at the time. What did you study in school? I graduated from St. Petersburg State University with master's degree in political science, focusing on strategic arms and control studies. When I graduated, I got back to KGB and uh, say, here's my military record, here's my diploma, give me a job. So they checked me out and they said, okay, maybe. I passed all assessment tests and training uh, regiment introduced into KGB. And then I worked as junior analyst in Moscow. I hoped for excitement, but job was very, very boring desk job, tedious, you know. But one year later, I catch a lucky break. I personally exposed an MI6 and a Mossad agent who had infiltrated into the Ministry of Defense. So they sent me to London as an assistant to the military attaché. Very, very nice ladies in London. Huh? Sure. And uh, after that, the people up chain of command take notice of my achievement and promote it. Oh, I'm out of here and talk about it. It was a termination. It was not really a termination. No one ever really leaves the KGB. I was relieved of duty because I had learned so much that I was more, you know, useful outside than inside the agents. The way I see it, President Putin wanted me to expose the truths to the world. As an active KGB agent, I could never do that. But officially, free of the agency's process, I could disclose sensitive information. It should be obvious that President Putin is protected. It would certainly seem so. So just to clarify, President Putin, you believe, is using you as an instrument of disclosure. Why would he not just do it himself? Mike, he cannot present certain issues because he has many enemies. Some topics are too controversial, the fifth column in government and outside world would say that he's like on a wild goose chase in the near uh, abroad. Or Syria, in Syria, they would say that we are in Syria not to eliminate the terrorist threat, but to pursue some imaginary enemies from space. Then the Washington Post would say that President Putin has caught some contagious mental illness or disease when President Trump sneezed. Then Moscow Times and the other Russian pro-NATO liberal papers would all scream out, it's a contagion, Putin has gone mad like Trump. The fifth column, could you give us a little more information? Uh, Look, some hopeful politicians and journalists and businessmen also are working for the West and would not miss the opportunity. About to turn up. No. President popularity is great, but his enemies are just waiting for their chance to get him. I'm not the only one. No? President Putin is using others like me. 
wants to disclose information he cannot. Information like what your government called the Anunnaki threat? Among other things, yes. Let's focus there for a second. To start, can you tell us when your government learned of this race and give us a little background on how Putin determined that they were, shall we say, not very friendly? Sometimes in late 2012. And I cannot remember the exact day. We began receiving intelligence reports of extraterrestrial, you know, extraterrestrials in conflict areas like Syria, Afghanistan, Georgia, Ukraine. Many reports surface of extraordinary tall humanoids, three to five meters. I'm sure you've heard of the Kandahar giant. That's just one of many. What we learn is that this race of evil ETs seek out hotspots, places of conflict where they can camouflage themselves within the carnage of war. So they appear at battle sites and take corpses of dead and sometimes of the living. These stories go unreported because it is easy to explain as battle-induced acute stress and hallucinations. How convenient. If these events, however, have happened beyond Russia's sovereign borders in Syria and other nations, why does Putin care? Because unlike Western leaders, President Putin recognizes this vermin are a great threat to humanity. If we do not fight them in Syria, we will have to fight them in Stalin. Stalingrad? I thought Stalin was not to be mentioned in the new Russia under President Putin. I was in Paris and they have Stalingrad metro station. So you Westerners think that you can have Stalingrad and us Russians do not have Stalingrad. That's nonsense. Okay, well, thank you for clarifying that. And I would never presume to demand political correctness from Russians when I hate it here in America. Anyway, these Anunnaki, what is their disposition? How strong are they? Unfortunately, it is hard, hard to track exactly how many Anunnaki are currently in this area. In the kill one, many more oh, seem to appear. Okay, now that we're getting into your nation's efforts to eradicate the Anunnaki, can you tell us how exactly Putin planned? Yeah, I hear that. They trying to they trying to eliminate the Anunnaki. They trying to eliminate the Anunnaki. <laughs> that's that's just wow. But you know, you never hear nothing. None of this stuff. And to defeat a technologically and potentially numerical, numerically superior foe. Stop. Some things I can, can say, some I cannot. Yeah. Early on, we discovered that Anunnaki were resilient to small arms fire, like Kalashnikov bullets. Yeah. Usually, they not work on them. President Putin. Bullets don't work on. I would say secret. He gave a secret executive order to organize nationwide effort to defeat this monster. Military base in Ural. You know Ural Mountains? Right. It was repurposed as a top secret ET, like extraterrestrial research center, to train Russian special services and to develop technology capable of reducing these Anunnaki. I see. I presume you're referring to the Moskoya facility, and I'd like to return to that in a minute. Can yes. you tell me about 
Russia's earliest skirmishes with the Anunnaki and the outcome of those engagements? At first, Alcon was bad, very bad. We did not know their... How you think it was going to go when you're trying to fight something that came from another universe? They can they can travel wherever. Like, how you think that shit was going to go? I, I'll let you know this, man. If I was in the line of duty and they told me they're going to send me out here to fight some extraterrestrials that just came from the sky with superior technology, I'm going home. I'm not even going to lie to you. Nigga, I'm going home. You're not. I'm not. Look, man. Or lock me up. I go. I I take all the time. Yeah. Go ahead. Like that's 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 just crazy, bro. Ain't no damn way. Defense technologies. We received report. We sent steps now to chase them through vast networks of caves in Syria. We lost many combats there. Our bullets often bounce out of them, yeah? and they slaughter our soldiers like pigs in mud. Plasma-based weapons and also use energy spears to screw our fighting brothers. We lost maybe 200 men before finding in their finding a you know place in their armor where, where we can shoot them. Yeah, a tragic loss of Russia's fighting men. Uh, how did you? How did your nation discover a weakness in the Anunnaki? Yeah, yeah that's. During an engagement, one Anunnaki mistakenly wounded another. And uh, a Russian survivors of this battle captured the wounded beast and took it to Mezgori. Our uh, top scientists tried to interrogate it, but no luck. We could not understand their language. They speak in chirps and shirts. Sorry. If it could understand us, it never let us know. Since interrogation not possible, we're doing best next best thing, science. So we no, exposed the Anunnaki to extreme heat, extreme cold, acid, even knowledge of poison. Nothing worked. Finally, after many months, we discovered two weaknesses. Acoustic weapons of certain frequencies cause Anunnaki much pain and make them fall to the ground. That's because, you know, they, 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 they're higher vibrational beings. I get that shit? They're shooting different vibrations at them to hurt them. Like, lowering your vibrations. That's why when you get around low vibrational people, it kind of fucks you up sometimes when they ain't vibrating good, you know? Fucks you up. <laughs> fucks them up on a whole nother level. That's the real definition of please don't kill my vibe. <laughs> also, they can be killed by energy-based weapons yeah, like the laser. Yeah, you're talking kilowatt about laser, powerful enough to vapor a single and another. Yeah, course, and this happened, right here, uh, that test subject died. Unfortunately, these weapons right now are large and must be vehicle-mounted. A training troops with... Leonardo da Vinci seems to have encrypted the Great Pyramid of Giza into the Vitruvian Man. Handheld versions, but right now these are only strong enough to stand a smaller Anunnaki, but certainly Where's not all. Fascinating. Yeah. Do you know how many encounters have Russian special services had with the Anunnaki? Yes, yes. Uh, 
seven that I'm aware of. This does not count the recent bombings of Anunnaki enclaves in Syria. You say bombings. Bombs, in my mind, are considered conventional weapons. Yes, yes. A special ordinance developed by Ministry of Defense. I do no technical schematics, but in addition to boom. Hey, y'all get, are y'all picking up on a pattern too? This stuff is happening in areas that are in so-called like wars. Like, why are they at wars? What are they fighting over? They, if you ask either side, they don't have a real reason at all. So you know it's something bigger outside of that that's that could possibly be going on outside of what they you know just some regular beef shit like oh Sorry, i hate the way you look let's go to war and start nuking each other Come, and shit. Uh-uh. Get up. you know come over this way this way get it you have explosion like a, the weapons release energy pulse on detonation that damages anunnaki brains well if that being said and that if that's okay, true then putin coming. should have no problem wiping all the existing Anunnaki off the face of the planet. Thank you. If only it was so easy. Anunnaki have unique form of transportation. They use portals which only they can see. They teleport instantaneously from one one location to another. If they see the attack coming, they can strike back and this has happened or they can vanish through a portal and reappear somewhere else. Maybe thousands of, of miles away. We speculate that the portals of fixed locations instead installed by the Anunnaki in previous years. And we have no idea how many of these portals are on the planet. Would be millions for all we know, maybe even back to their homeworld. And based on what you know, where is that? <sighs> Russian intelligence believes the Anunnaki are natives of the fifth and seventh planet of Nibiru system. How did Putin or whomever with the Ministry of Defense come, come, or you come by that information? Because they told us so. Some clarification is needed here, Strelnikov. Earlier, a few minutes ago, you said communication with the Anunnaki. He said because they told him. So y'all know it's getting to that meeting part. Y'all know it's getting to that meeting part, bro. Like, yeah, <laughs> this shit. Naki was impossible. Uh, that being so, how was this information delivered? Yes, in, in that statement, I'm referring only to the captured one, the captured Anunnaki who would not or would or could not communicate. But like I said, we have many engagements with these evil creatures. Sometimes ago, we after we killed nearly twenty two hundred of them. In a fight, an Anunnaki emissary reached out to President Putin and offered him an ultimatum. This time he spoke perfect Russian. Where did this contact happen? It materialized near Ministry of Defense headquarters and demanded to speak with Putin. Very tall, four meters, translucent skin, phasing in and out of existence. Mike, um... I'm out of time for this today, for this talk. Uh, no problem, Astralnikov. You do not know how grateful I am to you for sharing with us this incredibly important story. I hope that you will agree to chat with me again, as there's certainly a lot more information about the Anunnaki to cover, and yes. I would like to conclude with that topic before we dive into other topics. 
All right, Mike. I will be in touch with you. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Stranakov, you have a good end. It goes nasty upstairs. A, se- a second interview. And today I am fortunate enough to have Stranakov, Isaac Stepanovich, back. All right, y'all. So now it's about to get into the actual, like, meeting. Y'all know when he was like, yo, we demanding that, you know, you, you, you speak with us. That's because these motherfuckers getting in the way. Like... <laughs> Gonna say, hey, basically, I'm about to run you motherfuckers over now. Trying to spare you now. Leave us the fuck alone. With us, and I know we'll have a, a good conversation. Um, hello, Stranakov. It's a pleasure to speak with you again. My pleasure, Mike. I am happy to have the opportunity to share information with your listening audience. Thank you very much, and they appreciate you too, Stranakov. Before we get started, I just want to do a brief recap of our last conversation. If anyone out there is, did not listen to the first interview I did with Stronikov, I'm going to put the link in the description box below. Stronikov, when we last spoke, you provided some truly shocking information on the, on the Anunnaki. You said Russia has known of them for many years, that Russian forces have had skirmishes with them, and after some time, Russia did develop weapons that could either kill or wound Anunnaki. At the closing of our last conversation, you said an Anunnaki emissary approached President Putin with an ultimatum. I'd like to start right at that point. Could you, do you remember what was the ultimatum? Uh, yes, my God. Like I said, this villainous race, his ability to instant. Hey, he got his face all in the camera and shit now, y'all. Like, <laughs> hey, my Gina fucked up again, didn't he? Simultaneously transport from one location to another via a nexus of portals that only they can see. Anunnaki appeared near the MOD and demanded to speak with President Putin. I am uh, foggy on some details, but what I know is this. Arrangements were made between Putin and Anunnaki to meet at Putin's mansion on the Black Sea coast near the village of Paraskovyevka. At this meeting, the Anunnaki delivered the ultimatum. Leave us alone, we'll leave you alone, or else perish with the rest of the world. Wow. Um, So what you're essentially saying is that the Anunnaki offered Putin peace in exchange for, shall we say, Agreeing to participate in a non-intervention agreement? Something like that, but it's much more shocking. The Anunnaki told him that in exchange for not interfering with their plans, they would leave Russia alone and not even set foot on Russian soil without explicit permission. The Anunnaki... Try Enfamil NeuroPro, the number one trusted brand for brain building and immune support. Before using Cell, I had a horrible relationship with my credit. It was pretty rough, to be honest. My credit score was... Also said they would tell Putin how to survive Nibiru passing through the solar system. On the other hand, if Putin refused to offer the offer, the Anunnaki said Russia would be the first to fall and its people would be enslaved and taken as food. Um, holy smokes. Oh. Oh. Hey, you've been enslaved and taking his food. 
what about y'all, man? But look, I'm not down with eating white people, man. I'm cool in that shit. Like, I'm good. White people, you ain't got to worry about me. I do not want to eat you. Feel me? But nah, these these people are something of them themselves. We're just a, we're different. We're different than them, though. It's, it's crazy. Assuming that to be true, it's hard to imagine why Putin declined such an being a facetious, a generous offer. Um, wow, why would Putin? Why why would Putin deny that? Because Mike Putin does not trust them. He may be an optimist, but he is not stupid. He figured that the Anunnaki would dishonor any agreement. These creatures are devilish and manipulative. So Putin told them to go away. We do not want you here. He told leave the planet. Everything that be like black, they be devilish or some shit. You know, that's because these are darker beings. Like, they like black, black, black as fuck. You feel me? Like, and, <laughs> but... And they super, super tall, but they're like humanoid black people type shit. But not like, we don't look, I don't know, man. Fuck it. I'll show you some pictures. And never come back. You know what the Anunnaki told him? Uh, No, but I'm hoping you'll tell me. The Anunnaki said to Putin, Earth is our planet, not yours. We are the ones who seeded the Earth with strands of light. He said that they grew all life on Earth, as in uh, a giant petri dish. Humans, Yanunaki said, belong to them, just as your mother's chicken belonged to her. Wow. So every 3,000 and 600 years, give or take, they return to harvest. Harvest what? Us. We are uh, little more than food and slave labor for them. <laughs> oh, uh, theological repercussions. Is- uh, shit, you feel me? <laughs> shit, <laughs> not me. <laughs> not me. <laughs> look, nigga, look. If you want us to mine some gold and shit again, look, man. And you, and you feed us and shit. All right, you know, don't do weird shit to us and be trying to fuck us up and shit. Like, just make it easy, easy. <laughs> I'm playing. Hey, look, man, I'm not going to no mines, harvesting no gold, being nobody fool. I fight first. Side, that is a Good frightening time. thought to comprehend. What? Is, how did the Anunnaki respond to Putin's answer? The Anunnaki said, uh, "You've been warned and left." And yet, no man, no massive Anunnaki force has invaded Russia. At least not yet. One thing I really don't understand. If the Anunnaki have the ability to instantly travel anywhere they want using these portals, I mean, why, why haven't they just sent a brigade of soldiers into Moscow? If the Anunnaki who wanted to speak to Putin showed up at the MOD... Obviously, they must have these portals in Russia already. Uh, For every answer we know, there are two we do not. It is possible the gates can accommodate only a certain number of Anunnaki before needing a recharge. We just don't have all the answers, but 
keep in mind that Anunnaki do not just attack military, they work behind the scenes. Evil machinations with human beings corrupted by Anunnaki's sinister agendas. If they can infiltrate government positions and influence law, they need not show up with guns, please. Oh, fascinating. Does Putin believe right now, does he think that the Anunnaki have infiltrated the Russian government? <clears throat> no, but he believes other nations have been compromised. What nations, for instance? For instance, yours. Putin believe the Anunnaki have uh, <laughs> infiltrated the White House? Not sure about now, but under Obama administration, many Anunnaki roamed the White House corridors. I really don't have more information on that. Well, interestingly enough, you're not the first person to make such a suggestion. I haven't heard about the Anunnaki infiltrating the White House or others. I talked about another race called the Reptilians, but we're not going to go there right now. Let's step in a different direction. According to you, Russian forces have clashed at least six times with the Anunnaki resulting in many deaths on both sides. Where is the photographic or video evidence of the engagements? People like me and others who report on this topic, we take huge hits to our credibility because we don't have that hard evidence. I'm sure it must exist in an era where uh, Big Brother watches everything, where... Go Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go Brandon, honor, honor. Let's go Brandon, honor. You know what they say, Let's go Brandon, Soldiers have body cameras. So there should be footage or pictures of these Anunnaki or Anunnaki corpses. What do you say to that? Yes, Mike, I uh, realize this is a big problem. Any footage is classified at the moment, at the uh, most secret level. Even I have not seen it. Does it exist? Probably, yes. Keep in mind that lack of thereof also affects my credibility, yeah. Yeah, you see that. I spare what I can. As to corpses of Anunnaki, there are none. The Anunnaki biology is most strange. Their uh, insides contain a corrosive uh, pile that at the, at the time of death literally dissolves both endo and exoskeleton. Only skulls have uh, been known to survive this process and photographs of Anunnaki had bones on the internet. Right. And I have have seen photos on the internet uh, of elongated skulls that many say are Anunnaki. But, you know, digressing, I've known you for many years and I absolutely believe that you give the, that you're given the, best possible information to which you've been exposed. However, as a journalist, I just, I have to question everything. You've mentioned that Anunnaki use plasma-based weapons and energy spears, and that their bodies liquefy at time of death. 
Now, these are conventions of two popular American science fiction franchises, uh, specifically the Predator and Alien series. I'm about to cash this check for $50,000 for an accident I was involved in over five months ago. The same accident that the insurance company told me I get $5,000 for. Friends, family members, and everybody... Respectively, it seems a bit convenient uh, that the Anunnaki lore mimics yeah. these fictional inventions. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Michael, the margin or level of separation between fiction and reality is very narrow. I have never seen uh, these movies. I've heard about them, but I've never seen them. I do not like, like movies. But uh, you know, the like technology is used by the Anunnaki. Yeah. What wrong with him? He don't like movies. But I bet. I guess because he's seen too much real shit. They're real. And all that. Ministry of Defense worked tirelessly to understand their technology and find a way to counter it. Thank you. You previously said, to your knowledge, other nations do not take the Anunnaki threat as seriously as does Putin, or if at all. Now, it has been suggested to me that Trump and Putin are in a secret alliance to defeat them and that all the current rabid anti-Russian sentiment going on right now is a dog and pony show to distract people from that, uh, from Trump and Putin actually working together. What do you say about that? Well, look, Michael, I wish this to be true. I wish your American president would take this threat and as seriously as does President Putin. I have never... Uh, I have seen no evidence showing cooperation between them. All right. If they're working together, Michael, then the rouse is so elaborate that even President Putin doesn't know he's working with Trump to fight an office. Okay. So you're saying it's not true? That's what I said. Yeah. Do you think Putin stands a chance of winning this war on his own? I think I don't know um, what I think doesn't matter okay, then that's say no. I didn't say that uh, please don't put words in my mouth alright fair <laughs> enough I want to make sure I get we get you accurately um, let's veer in a different direction when it comes to the hey, he ain't want that smoke <laughs> I don't know who he more scared of, the Anunnaki or Putin, bro. Like, <laughs> he ain't want to say it. He ain't want to say it. That shit funny as hell. Anunnaki, they've been described looking in various different forms and configurations. Giants, 7 to 15 feet tall. Uh, tall skin. I'm sorry, tan skin, translucent skin. Some even say they shimmer in and out of existence. Uh, kind of almost incorporeal. Uh, some say bipedal. I've heard reports of there being quadruped at quadruped Anunnaki. Does your government have any idea why there is such a why these reports vary so widely? Uh, yes, Mike. Uh, the Anunnaki breed with other races, and not just humans. 
the offspring are hybrid, hybrid monsters inheriting traits from the male Anunnaki and the female of whatever species it, it impregnates. This uh, accounts for the dis- discrepancies. So, look, make no mistake, the Anunnaki genes are the dominant ones and even half-breeds are... I, I wonder why their genes are the dominant genes. So basically, he's saying that they go around from different planet to planet, busting cheeks, getting motherfuckers pregnant, pulling off with the babies. Now they like hybrids. That's basically what happened to us, y'all. Came down here, they bust some, they bust some cheeks, developed us, then they left. Are deadly and dangerous, and as much a threat to Earth as a full-blooded animal. Wow. So the Anunnaki uh, males are breeding with uh, females of other species. I assume the females are not willing participants. Why would you assume that? They are victims. I mean, you can go, you can, you can go from galaxy to galaxy, dropping dick. Like, when was that ever? Like, see, they hating, bro. I guess that wasn't a willing thing, bro. Look, they out here dropping dick off in different universes. That's some, that's some, that's some crazy shit right there. You feel me? Hey, stop playing. The Anunnaki genetic experimentation process. They was giving it up. You were, ha- have you learned from your government how many races uh, the Anunnaki might have mingled with? I know it's a question out there. Uh, this I do not know, but more than just humans. All right. Mm, look, I have to go now, Mike. I have emergency. We'll All right. talk again. All right. Well, Strelnikov, I very much appreciate your your time that you take to come on and provide this information to myself and to the audience out there. Uh, do me a favor, please. Shoot me an email when you have time to talk again. I do want to continue close. Yeah. Yeah. So that right there, bro, he was. Hey, man. Go, Brandon. But we all know what the saying means. Let's go, Brandon. That would be impossible considering I'm looking at the all state policy information for that vehicle for Dallas and County. Yes, Okay, so I just need to understand what happens to all the taxes he paid for that vehicle, in which we do have receipts that he paid for that vehicle. Donaldson County taxes. receipt numbers. We have the bank statements. We provided the checks for payment.
But I'm sitting holding the policy number one. Now tell me if this ain't conspiracy at high levels. Then you tell me what it is. Or for what though? My grandfather, they made my grandfather's truck disappear. This recording is for It's time, date, and stamp for November the 3rd, 2021. That's all what I'm saying now. My grandfather had... <clears throat> that Chevy Avalanche truck for a long time. Then they wound up mailing us the receipt notices <clears throat> from hello everybody. <clears throat> and it came from the Darlington County Treasurer's Office. Right? Now these were the receipts came from. But this is the um, where you put your vehicle. So they sent us the tax years to 2013. Yes, that is correct. Um, my dad passed away in 2017. So that vehicle was sold um, by Parker's used cars. That is correct. Okay, so if you found the information, is there a way that you can put it back in the system so I can print it off? I'm not sure. But why would it be missing from the system? Yes. Yeah, why would it be missing from the system? Yes. Why would it be missing from the system that you had to go relocate it somewhere else? That is correct. Once again, my dad passed away in 2017. What I'm asking is, where's the information that he paid the decals every year and the taxes to Donaldson County from 2009 to 2016? Where's that tax information? Is what I'm asking. Okay, that's what I'm getting you to understand. Can you please look at the tax website that you're telling me to go to? Because it's not there, is what I'm saying. transforming to the treasurer but here's the thing though this is where you pay your taxes too they're the ones who come out with the yes, notice i was calling i was just transferred by the county auditor's office or about some tax information on the vehicle and she said um you know you'll be able to assist with that information so i was calling about calvin Scipio's jr chevy avalanche truck it's not on the website nor none of the information like she had to go search it elsewhere so i was just calling to have that information reappeared back on the website so i can go ahead and print that off oh, what's the last name scipio s-c-i-p-i-o 
his first name? Listen, Calvin. C A L V I N. It would be a Chevy Avalanche truck. Listen, she says she don't see it. Now, the last girl told me to go online and print it. That was the order, though. So why she don't have the receipt numbers for that trunk? Listen, man. What year is it? Should be a 2012. Oh, I don't see a 2012 in his name in the system. That is correct. That's why I'm calling. And that's why I was transferred to your office. Okay, well, who did you talk to the first time? Because you need The to county to auditor. auditor. The county auditor, Look, and she located the information in some other system. She stated, and she stated to have that information reappear back on the website. I will have to contact the treasurer since all of the taxes have been paid to you. Meaning the DMV has a record of the license plate with the decal paid every year, but it's not in your system. So that's why I was just calling to have that information reappear back in your system. Okay. If the bill wasn't in the system, then the auditor would have to put you a bill in the system. I mean, all we do is take the payment. So, I mean, once they put a bill in the system, then it should show up on the website. Right. That's what I was calling about, um, as well as the young lady didn't understand why it's not on the website. So she said the treasurer will It wouldn't be on the website because there's not a bill in the system for a 2012. That's so it wouldn't I'm... be on the website. There's not a bill on our system for a 2012 for Calvin CPO. Yes, ma'am. That's why I'm calling once again. We have records where he paid to your and the, you know, right, your what, Do you have that tag number or receipt number where you paid it before? No, the only thing I have is the VIN number. But the tag number information is on the way. But I do have the VIN number. Okay, what's that number? It's three, G as in girl, N as in Nancy, E as in egg, K as in kite, one, two, C as in cat, two, five, G as in girl, one, five, two, four, two, three, I don't even see that VIN number in the system either. That's sure you paid it in Darlington County? Yes, ma'am. Listen, y'all, listen. <laughs> and that's why I'm calling. That's the issue right there. Why, though? Why? I mean, if the auditor couldn't find it. <clears throat> no, she did find it. She found it. She just had to find it in another system. You may want to call and see what type of system she located the information in. Okay, well, she may have looked on the D&D, but still, she's got to put a bill in the system. Once again, so, I mean, that's why I'm calling. I mean, the issue's, the issue's not with us, is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. I mean, so if we can't find it on the system for you to pay, because all we do is pay the It's pay. already been paid since 2012. From 2012 to now, all of that information is missing from your system. That's how long Calvin Scipio had the vehicle. He passed away in 2017. Why, y'all? Why? Why did they do all of this? Think about it. We're not talking about no look. You're talking about how I get out. So if I went to my sheriff's office, 
with this type of incriminating information. You telling me y'all wasn't going to investigate? I went to y'all multiple times. My mom said, All right, hold on just a minute. I'll just call over there to keep from putting you back and forth, okay? Hold on just a minute for me. Okay, no problem. It wasn't in their system. They don't have no type of tax receipts. Listen to me. I gave her a whole VIN number. She said she couldn't find it. So now she got to call the auditor's office. Okay. So now the auditor has to explain why isn't the bills that he paid is in your system. I told y'all this is bigger than me. Y'all made it big. Why though? Why would y'all make records disappear? Like, and then you can't find it in your own system. Then you had the right to nerve to mail the receipts, notices to me, but you don't have them in your system. Duh. Let's use your common sense here. Now, how are you going to explain that? Boom. No, I'm going to let this one play because now they got to realize how serious this is. We're not talking about just the trailer. No. And the land. No, we're talking about cars. We're talking about tax notices. That they may disappear. So what happened to the money that was paid for them taxes? Where did you say the vehicle was? It may have been a 2012. It probably would have been older than that. Like I said, where... said what they found was a 2005. Oh, that's probably right. Boom. Now, if it wasn't in the system now, how did she find it if it's the same vehicle by the VIN number? What are you talking about, people? Let's use your common sense. Okay, here. the last of the VIN was um, 2423. That is correct. And she also told me that, <coughs> excuse me, she also told me that it was um, registered. It was paid in 2013, 14, and 15, 16 in his name. That and is correct. Paid on that is correct. But I'm calling is the information is not in your system for me to print it off the website. So I had to call. They only know. Do you need to pay receipts for all those years? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yes. Every last one. But it's not listed on your website as him being an owner. It's not even. It's like it never existed. Yeah, because they probably wouldn't be that many years on the list. So it's probably only like. Two or three years the, on the, the website. It goes back to 2008 on the website. Eight. And that's the Jaguar that he had in 2008. So they would have had the Chevy Avalanche on there, but it's not there. So I was just calling to have someone, you know, put it back on there so I can go ahead and print it off. That's all. I mean, I can print the receipts off and put them in the mail to you. I mean, I don't, I mean, if they're not there, we don't put them back. Why would it be I mean, missing? I don't know why you can't find them, but I mean, you said you, you told me a 2013 and it's actually a 2005. Okay, but what I'm saying is if you look on your website for the Darlington County taxes, that's online taxes. If you just go to online taxes, type in his name, it doesn't come up. Any other vehicle that he had comes up, but not that vehicle. But you're saying even you couldn't even locate it by his name. I had to give you a VIN number. So that was the issue right there. No, 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 no. That's not. I was, you told me a 2013. 
but the so VIN number is so twenty thirteen and it actually is a two thousand five. But two thousand five I failed, but I was listen, looking for a twenty thirteen round two with me. Right, and I also so gave you the VIN number, which would have been. So do you need copies of these mail to you? I need them put back on the website. And then yes, you can mail them to me as well. Hey, they go Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go, Brandon. Okay, so I know y'all like, ooh, juicy details. Yes, y'all, this people is crazy. Then she tried to tell you gave me the incorrect year. Lady, what are you talking about? I gave you a whole VIN number to a vehicle. What do you mean? And then, remember now, the first girl, oh, it's registered to somebody else. And blah. What are you talking about? Remember, you couldn't find it in your system. So where did you locate it at? Not only that, she's lying. I have a printout from the DMV that clearly shows the vehicle ain't been sold to nobody. Think about it. Not at that time when we looked it up. So who knows what's going on? It's mighty strange how the car company dealership where he purchased the vehicle from was supposed to send me information about a year ago. Hmm. Yeah, you think I'm joking? No, I don't joke. Mind you, she also stated that my uncle came down there to do something with my grandfather's paperwork. Oh, she lied about that. Oh, she lied. Yeah, okay. Well, let's see how much I'm lying. Do you want to really hear it? Because then this is going to show what type of scumbags you were dealing with here. Oh, remember? He got it all under control. They know everything. Everybody want to be a part of the business here. So let's, let, me, let me find that. So that way it won't be no kind of misinterceptions here. <laughs> she always ran out of mouth. Yep, and I'm going to keep running my mouth. You know why? Because this is my podcast. You got something to say, create your podcast. Say what you need to say. The problem is you have to do a lot of effort and a lot of work to get up in there. You see what I'm saying? You understand? Okay. So now we're going to go back to my local sheriff's office. And I'm not bashing you guys. I understand you're, you're fighting crime. I get it. But y'all let all of this go down like this because these are your friends. Listen to me. They made a whole truck disappear. The problem is they also sent out a decal sticker that goes on the license plate every year. That's what I'm saying about this system. My uncle and them had them cars since my grandfather died. So why isn't their taxes listed and they so dumb to think oh, ain't nobody gonna know. What are you, stupid? That's what I told y'all. These are dumb people. They're worrying about that system and let's not forget this is a governmental system. Mm. Oh, why though? Now it deepens. Now the higher ups are scratching their medulas. Like, wait a minute. She's right. Why would they be making a truck disappear and they don't have the information, but yet they found that out they ass again? 
See, they, these people love finding stuff out their ass. No, seriously, think about it. From my experience at the post office, to my experience with my property, to my experience with other stuff, it seems like these people just won't let down. Now, how are you going to explain all of this? Hmm, what are you going to say? Oh, she gave me the incorrect year. But she also gave you a VIN number. What are you talking about? I gave the lady the VIN number. She said she was in the DMV. She has access. Oh, yeah? Hmm. So you tell me how I got a print off probably before I even called you. Don't worry. I'll get that date to you when I can. No, seriously, here, man. We're not playing games. Now what are you going to say? Oh, you got them checks ready? No, they want more. So you want to see what type of scumbags my uncle are? Just just hold on. Take take a seat for a second. I got let me let me come back with this one. And I don't want a sympathy party. We we're not gonna tolerate that. What we are gonna do though, is y'all might as well just get in your own trucks, <laughs> roll on up on over here, and pick these people up. All of them. Mind you now. We're talking about officials. Now, how are they going to explain this? I say 200 and something recordings. So imagine what I got. You need to go back to the girl who told me I need to move my trailer off the land. Then I can file a registered trailer. That's been sitting on the same property this whole time. Why were you giving me the runaround for my property? Well, you was shocked and amazed that I really own it or something? Like, is it because I'm young? I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm serious about this. We need answers now. Like, we are true victims. Police didn't want to do nothing. Nobody helped us. But y'all allowed it, though. So what that make you? Hmm. Bet you they screaming, damn. That's some shady-ass shit. I know. But, hey. They caused it on themselves, but why, though? You get it? Why? What was the purpose? What was the point to make it seem like my uncle always had money? Because that's what I'm, I'm, I'm figuring you're going to hear. It's just, uh, the problem is he didn't gain this money until the same year my grandfather passed away. Very questionable. You understand him? Let's not forget, they sent my cousin to the mailbox. The check had $36.45 on it. They didn't think about none of that. They was ready to get their hands on the cash. You figure, you feel me? You understand? Since everybody understands, and everybody has clear knowledge to the situation, I will be back. Anything. Go Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go Brandon. Let's go Brandon. You know what they say, ho. Let's go Brandon. Let's go Brandon. You know what they say, ho. Let's go. It's been put somewhere else, but I can't find that information right off. So I'm thinking it's got to be in my office somewhere. Okay, no problem. So what type okay. of information do you have on your computer store for Calvin Scipio? We don't, we don't put the information on the computer. That's the hard part. We don't store that information on the computer. It's all manual. So I have to actually find the folder that has the ledger card in it that has all the information that you need. 
So y'all don't keep an inventory. So you don't keep an inventory. You don't keep an inventory of the vehicle online or in your computer system. So everything is done. No, all of our most of our paperwork is manual. I create the documents as far as selling the vehicle that way, and I can tell you when it was sold and that it was sold for the balance due. But as far as the payments and so forth, no, ma'am, they're not they're not kept electronically. They're all written in a, a, a manual book, and I have eight hundred accounts that I keep up with. On top of being by myself, so I'm. The only thing I can tell you is I can once I can put my hands on that folder and get exactly what I need out of it, yeah, which is where everything's at. Because I remember putting everything back where it was supposed to be when your uncle came through, however many years ago it was. Okay, and uh, back I saw where we sold it, and it was, if I remember right, that was in 2017, I believe. Hmm. But I can't guarantee. I can't say that 100 that that was the actual year that we sold it. I just don't remember. But I gotta pull that folder out to get you the payment history and all of that kind of stuff that you're asking for. But that stuff is not kept electronically. I don't. We don't put it in the computers. All of our receipts are handwritten, you know, and we mail the receipts to the customers. Everything we do is manual on、oh, that part of it. Okay, no problem. So, how did you get the information to my uncle? You mailed it, emailed it. I had that. I had it all. I made a copy and put it in his file. It was all done manually on paper. And he came、so、and picked it up. If, as far as I know, he did. But like、okay. I said, that's in three. See, this is twenty-one. <clears throat> that was back in seventeen or eighteen, if I remember correct. Without having to dig back and look. Hey, man, go Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go Brandon. Scientists in Boston, in the United States, have made a new SARS coronavirus two, and instead of killing essentially zero percent of the mice, it infects. It kills eighty percent of the mice. It infects. Could this rumor possibly be true?、Uh, I'm afraid to tell you, and it distresses me to tell you that it is completely true. I find this unbelievable, outrageous arrogance. Uh, but we'll take a look at it and unpick it, and we will be looking at the scientific paper, of course. Now, this is the paper here. It's actually in the form of a preprint at the moment, but given that it's preprinted,、uh, it probably will be peer-reviewed shortly.、Uh, but of course, this does mean that the research took place. It's unlikely that they're、uh, lying about this research taking place. So, this is actually happening. Now, this is the most incredible, in my view, gain-of-function research. We've gone from killing none of the mice to killing eighty percent of the mice. Now, okay, it might not be as that bad if it escaped into people. It might only kill forty、uh, percent of the people that infects, or four percent, four percent of the people it infects. We don't know. But playing with this sort of virus to me is just unbelievable. So let's let's have a look at it, and、um, you make your own mind up. Don't let me prejudice you too much. Now, this is enhanced potential pandemic pathogen research. So they're looking at these researchers, the SARS coronavirus two. So what they've essentially done here is we all, we all know about the、uh, the SARS coronavirus two here, and it's got these、uh, spike proteins on it, hasn't it? Like that. I think we know this、uh, well well now. So what they've done actually here is they've taken one of the original Wuhan type viruses, which is a different type of virus, and essentially they've taken the spike proteins off that. 
off the original Wuhan type virus, and they've put on some of the new uh, Omicron uh, type uh, spike proteins. And they find out this combination has made it 80 percent, uh, basically 80 percent more deadly to mice. So what this means is not just the spike protein that make the virus deadly, it's also the, uh, the genetics and the proteins in the rest of the virus that make it deadly. It's that combination. So that's quite an interesting scientific finding, uh, not too surprising. But basically the, what they've done is they've mixed up two viruses and come up with this new one that has a massively higher function. It's gain of, this is surely gain-of-function research that we've been so worried about. Now, what do other people think about it? Professor uh, Shapira, lead scientist Israeli government. Uh, this should be totally forbidden. It's playing with fire. I agree 100%. Dr. Richard uh, Ed Bright, um, New Brunswick. Um, the research is a clear example of gain-of-function research, so we'll see the uh, doctor here agrees. Uh, if we're able to avoid a next lab-generated pandemic, this is pretty serious talk. A la another lab-generated pandemic, assuming we've had one to begin with, really quite serious talk. It's imperative that oversight of enhanced potential pandemic pathogen research be strengthened. Now, this is in the United States of America we're talking about here. I am taken aback, really quite taken aback that uh, they've allowed this. It's imperative that officials in the United States government agencies who repeatedly have placed the public at risk by repeatedly violating the existing policies be held accountable. So pretty strong words there. Um, what is going on with the regulation in the United States? Professor David Livermore uh, from the uh, University of East Anglia in England, of course, uh, Given the strong likelihood that the COVID pandemic originated from an escape in a laboratory manipulated virus in Wuhan, okay, could well have done, uh, could well have done, these experiments seem profoundly unwise. English understatement. But when an Englishman, I don't know if he's English, he's British anyway, I think, uh, use the word profoundly, uh, that really does mean profoundly. This is strong wording. Now, this research seems to have been carried out in Boston University National uh, Emerging Infectious Disease Laboratory, one of 13 level four labs in the US. So think of one of these labs with people in sort of, people in sort of space suit things with breathing pipes and all that, all that kind of thing. Um, but it may not be 100% secure. Now, this is the paper here, role of the spike pathogen uh, and... Uh, Antigenic behaviour, so basically antigen is the virus, and this is, this is on the, in the BA1 that they looked at here. Um, okay, it's a few months ago now, it's moved on, but it was just published last week. Boston University School of Medicine, and other places, I'm not picking them out as the only one, but the, the work does seem to have been done in this Boston University's National uh, Emerging Diseases uh, Lab. That seems to be where the work was carried out, as far as I can gather. Now, um, predominant uh, SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant is highly transmissible. Of course, we know this. Uh, even, evades, uh, even in fully vaccinated individuals and causes attenuated disease. So, the disease, in other words, the disease is not as bad. So what they wanted to find out was, uh, okay, the uh, Omicron's BA1 in this example caused less severe disease. 
Why is that? Because we know the spike proteins change. So is it because of the change in the spike protein that has less severe disease? But when they combined it with the original Wuhan variant, they found that it caused more severe disease. So it's looking like it's not so much the spike protein that's causing more severe disease. It's the other part of the virus. So the reason that um, fatalities, for example, were more extreme in the early part of the pandemic, there was a high number of people died, was probably because of the core of the virus rather than necessarily because of these uh, spike proteins of the virus. That's what they wanted to find out, and they did find that out. But uh, at what risk is the question? Um, compared with other major viral, viral variants recognized to date, fine. The Omicron spike protein usually has a large number of mutations. Uh, is considered the major driver of these phenotypes. The phenotype just means the way that the virus behaves in the real world. It's the outward expression of the, the genetic material of the virus. So uh, they said we gener regenerated a, a chimeric recombination SARS-CoV-2. And that's what they did. They, they took the original Wuhan-type virus, the genetics from that, that made the core of the virus. They took the... Uh, genetic material from the Omicron that generated the spike protein, and they recombine these into a brand new virus. Now, as far as I can understand, this would never have occurred in nature. So they generate this completely new virus. Right, now let's look at what a chimera is. So a chimera just means a mix, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's two animals mixed, so like a, a man with a lion's head or, or, or a, a horse with wings, with, you know, that would be a chimeric uh, situation where you've got two organisms mixed up. But in this case, it's a, um, a chimera or chimeric virus, one that contains genetic material derived from two or more distinct viruses. In this case, the original Wuhan virus and the SARS uh, coronavirus. So the original SARS coronavirus uh, from Wuhan, SARS-CoV-2 from Wuhan and SARS-CoV-2, but the one that's a long time later now, the, the Omicron BA1. So they've combined these two. Um, in a way that really wouldn't have occurred in nature, as far as I can see, at all. Now, the U.S. Center for Veterinary uh, Bio Biology from the United States Department of Agriculture gives this definition of a chimera. A new hybrid microorganism created by joining nucleic acid, in this case the RNA, of course, from these two viruses, fragments from two or more different microorganisms, in this case the original Wuhan virus and the BA1 Omicron virus, artificially though in the lab, uh, in which at least two of the fragments contain essential genes necessary for replication. R-E-P-L-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. This virus can replicate potentially, indefinitely, potentially, if it escaped, to form a new pandemic, potentially killing 80% of mice that it infects, and as we'll see, these mice were humanized. Uh, we'll look at that in a minute. But th th this virus could kill potentially 40, 50, 60, 70 percent of the people that infects. And yet they seem to be doing research on this virus. I, I, I'm, I'm really concerned. This is an existential threat. I, as far, existential to me means to do with existence. So if I caught this, my, I might probably, if I caught this virus that they're working with in this lab, some might say playing with in this lab. Um, it's an existential threat to my existence. I might no longer exist if I got that. And that concerns me. We could be looking at uh, mortality rates, which are, uh, well, I don't even want to think about it. Um, 
given that the original Wuhan virus and the the BA1, the uh, Omicron BA1 virus kills essentially no mice, and this kills 80% of mice. And of course, we are vertebrates the same as mice. It just, just doesn't bear thinking about how, how would they have the arrogance to do this? Right, back to the paper, we regenerated chimeric recombination of SARS coronavirus 2, <clears throat> including the S gene of the Omicron, spike gene of the Omicron in the backbone of the ancestral SARS coronavirus 2 isolate. So there you go, uh, spike protein from the spike proteins from the uh, Omicron and the original body, if you like, from the original Wuhan virus. This new rejiggled recombination. I compared this virus with a natural circulating Omicron variant. The Omicron bear, the, the Omicron S-bearing uh, virus, robustly escaped vaccine-induced humoral immunity. So this new virus of generated um, showed great immune escape. People that were immune to previous SARS coronavirus 2, or the mice anyway, didn't have any, any immunity to this. So this escaped, not only could it kill huge numbers of people, potentially, but also have no immunity to it, or essentially no immunity to it, or very limited immunity to it, because it shows robust uh, escape, uh, a robust escape from vaccine-induced immunity. So. Um, it would be like a brand new, almost like a brand new pandemic. We would have no immunity, mainly due to mutations of the receptor binding motif, what we call, we tend to call this the RBD, don't we? The receptor binding domain, which is the part on, on the on the SARS coronavirus 2 bit here that actually binds into, in, that actually binds into the ACE receptor, as we've looked at many times. Yet unlike naturally occurring Omicron, efficiently replicates in the cell lines and primary primary like distal lung cells now what 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 this these cell lines here what what you have to do of course viruses can't reproduce on their own they can only reproduce inside cells so what they've done is they've taken some cells and these cells are like the uh, the distal lung cells so the proximal lung cells if you look at a lung so we've got the main the main trachea there and the bronchial passages or the trachea as you'd say in the states and here, here, here's the lungs here. So um, this is, of course, what we are familiar with from anatomy. Now, the um, the proximal tissues would be the ones up here near the mouth, that they're proximal tissues. The distal tissues would be the ones down here in the lungs, right down here. And, of course, as you probably know, what happens is the, the airways get smaller and smaller, branching to smaller and smaller airways until they get to the alveoli. The air sacs where the gaseous exchange takes place, the oxygen goes uh, from there to there, and the carbon dioxide goes from the blood into the um, into the lungs. So the distal cells are like the cells you would get here in the distal part of the airway. Th these would all be distal airway cells. And of course, these are the ones we're particularly worried about because if we get inflammation in here, this can fill up with fluid, and we get the uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome that killed so many people at the start of the pandemic. Not what we want. So they were trying these distal cells to see how it worked in these distal cells. And uh, that's what they did. Now, they were using KHHAC2 mice, angi angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitor 2 mice. Now, what this is, now, I don't like this research either particularly, but I don't pretend to be an expert in it. But what they've done here is they've taken some genes from a human, say me, for example, and they've taken the genes from me that code for my uh, ACE2 receptors. 
that make my ACE2 receptors and that put the genes from a human into a mouse. So that it's still a mouse, but it makes human molecular architecture type ACE2 receptors. So the ACE2 receptors in the transgenic humanized mouse are basically chemically the same as mine. So we they can model them. And, and these new virus that they uh, this new virus that they made latched onto those in the mice and killed 80% of the mice. Therefore, it's reasonable to assume that this new virus that they created would latch onto my distal ACE2 receptors as well, causing severe inflammation, just as it did in the unfortunate 80% of the mice that it killed. Um, so transgenic mice, um, they, they express the human ACE2 angiotensin 2 receptor that the virus binds onto, including airway epithelia, where infection typically begins, as we know, the, the lining tissues of the airways. Uh, because they're susceptible to SARS-CoV-2 virus, they are useful as an experimental model, basically. So it's mice. This is We're talking about mice with human ACE2 receptors. That's how they know uh, that this uh, would work in human cells because it's the same as it's the same as the, uh, the the ACE2 receptors that are expressed by the mice are the same as in me because it's made by the same human gene, transgenic humanized mice. So that's what that means. That's what this line is. Uh, Omicron cases were mild non uh, were mild non fatal infections. Good. In the mice, the Omicron S-carrying virus, the new one that jiggled around with what you might call the Frankenstein virus, inflicts severe disease with a mortality rate of 80%. Now, 80%, um, that's one more than 79%. This is massive. Just imagine if this virus escaped and it killed Worst case scenario, perhaps 80% of people, suppose it only killed 8% of people, it would spread rapidly. We don't have immunity to it. They've already said it has huge immune escape. The vaccine-induced immunity would not work against this new virus. The, the natural-induced immunity might work a bit better, but I don't particularly want to find out. Um, this is just... I find this terrifying, to be quite honest. Um, kills 80% of these humanized mice. This indicates that while the the vaccine escape uh, of Omicron is defined by the mutation in the spike, the major determinant of viral pathogenicity right outside of the spike protein. So the reason that Omicron is, it's, it's interesting, to be fair, the reason that Omicron is killing less people, is less pathogenic, might not be related to changes in the spike protein that we've been monitoring and while we've been spending all our time looking at the spike protein, we've taken our eye off the ball for the other components of the virus. And it seems to be changes in the other components of the virus, the envelope and the, 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 the nuclear capsid protein and the RNA and things like that. It might be changes in those which makes the virus more or less pathogenic. And because they've changed, um, the Omicron variant is less pathogenic. So it's interesting. But um, the risk to find out that piece of knowledge is, to me, just too immense. Um, let's give the final word to uh, Mary Shelley, who, of course, wrote Frankenstein, um, first published in 1818. This book, of course, is about the, about the, uh, the risk of human arrogance, that human beings, in all their cleverness, 
cleverness in inverted commas, can make a monster which they can no longer control. It's a terrifying idea, and it's the reason why Mary Shelley's Frankenstein has been a bestseller for well over 200 years now, because it gets to the heart of something. And uh, let's just look at one of the quotes. This is from the 1831 edition. Frightful, it must, frightful must it be, for supremely frightful would be the effect of any human endeavour to mock the stupendous mechanisms of the creator of the world. How dare we think we can copy the creator? We are mocking the situation. It may well be that we've just had a pandemic because of this human arrogance. We'll probably never know for sure. Um, and this research in Boston has got the risk um, of it um, causing another one if it were to escape. I strongly suspect the security in Boston is way, way, way better than security in um, in Wuhan. But personally, I don't want to risk my life and the, right, the, the lives of my family and the lives of you watching just so uh, we can write a few academic papers. I therefore call on the American government to close this research down immediately. Immediately. Hygienically. Destroy all these Frankenstein viruses. And if the viruses don't exist, then they won't escape. Thank you for watching. Go Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go Brandon, Let's go Brandon. You know what they say, ho. Let's go Brandon, Let's go Brandon. You know what they say, ho. Greetings, citizens of the world. This is a message from Anonymous regarding the fight against child trafficking worldwide. In the past few years, the issue of child trafficking has finally started to receive the attention that it deserves. But unfortunately, this problem has also been politicized in a way that makes this issue seem more abstract and far away than it actually is. In many online circles, this discussion has devolved into a guessing game about which celebrity might be an abuser behind closed doors, with speculation being shared as if it is fact. Indeed. The past few years have shown us that Hollywood is a cesspool of predatory behavior and that the rich and famous can often get away with horrific abuses because they are seemingly above the law. The case of Jeffrey Epstein shows us that there are many world leaders, even princes, who view pedophilia as some sort of hobby. These stories have shocked the collective conscience in a way, and sparked outrage against what many see as an elite cabal of abusive pedophiles, but it isn't that simple. Epstein's criminal network was certainly an example of an elite pedophile cabal but his operation was only one small piece of the puzzle, a microcosm of a cultural problem that our species has been ignoring for generations. Let's not forget that your child is far more likely to be abused by someone they know, such as a family member or friend, or maybe even a pastor, teacher, or other authority figure. Sadly, the people that we trust with our children are the most likely to commit abuse, and these types of situations are what represent the overwhelming majority of cases. 
The rampant abuse that takes place in the Catholic Church has been public knowledge for a long time. But now as the perpetrators are finally being held accountable in courts outside of the church, we are beginning to learn how deep their criminal activity went. Earlier this year, a former high-ranking Catholic cardinal was exposed as a pedophile and child trafficker who pimped out unwilling children to other clergymen from his New Jersey beach house. Former Cardinal Theodore E. McCarrick, the former Archbishop of Washington, is said to have managed a sex cabal in the 1980s, in which altar boys were groomed to be abused by pedophile priests. He is not alone either. This type of behavior is widespread in any environment where people have enough power to receive protection from the legal system and access to young and vulnerable children. There are many trusted political institutions that facilitate child trafficking as well, like foster homes and immigration agencies. In 2018, it was revealed that nearly 1,500 immigrant children were lost in government-arranged foster homes. Some of the children are still unaccounted for, but those that were found were kept in horrible conditions. In many of these cases, children were sent to homes with pedophiles where they were sexually assaulted, and in other cases, they were held as slaves. Dozens of children from this group, some as young as 14, were sold as slaves to Trillium Farms egg factories in Ohio, where they were subjected to constant abuse and forced to work with no pay. Child charities should also not be ignored in the fight against child trafficking, as many of these organizations are highly suspect and have already been exposed for their corruption. Last year, Peter John Dalglish, former United Nations advisor and founder of the Street Kids International Charity, was sentenced to nine years in prison for abusing children. Two young children, ages 12 and 14, were rescued from the home in Nepal where he was staying at the time of his arrest. The United Nations, in general, has a very bad track record with keeping children safe in their overseas missions, and at times it seems that their mission is actually to abuse and terrorize these children. A report from the UN Office of Internal Oversight Services, OIOS, indicated that peacekeepers working in Haiti were guilty of raping Haitian women at an alarming rate. The report also indicated that a large number of the victims were underage. According to the report, there were 231 people in Haiti who claimed they were sexually violated by UN peacekeepers and were forced to perform sexual acts in exchange for food and supplies that were intended as relief packages. Last year, the New York Times reported that UN forces have fathered hundreds of children in Haiti, and many of the mothers were extremely young and left to fend for themselves. Former United Nations official Andrew McLeod has estimated that the organization has employed at least 3,300 pedophiles that they know of, and suggested that at least 60,000 cases of sexual assault have been perpetrated by staff members of the United Nations over the past decade. There are tens of thousands of aid workers around the world with pedophile tendencies, but if you wear a UNICEF t-shirt nobody will ask what you're up to, he said. Some of the world's largest multinational corporations such as Dicorp and Halliburton were exposed as major players in the global human trafficking market. These companies did not work alone, but cooperated with each other through various subsidiaries and had the luxury of government protection. When suspicion was brought upon these companies it was swept under the rug by government officials. Even high-ranking members of the establishment such as Donald Rumsfeld were implicit in covering up the scandal. On March 11, 2005, he was questioned by Congresswoman Cynthia McKinney and he admitted on the record that the allegations did have credibility, but he pushed the blame off onto a few rogue employees. If the goal is to end child trafficking, then we need to look deeper than a few celebrities or politicians that we have disagreements with. We need to look at many of the institutions that we put our faith and trust in, and even the family members, friends, and community leaders that we look up to. 
anonymously searching everywhere for these predators, whether they are Hollywood, the halls of Congress, or your neighborhood. We are anonymous. We are a legion. Expect us. Anything go Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go Americans are going to get furious when they hear this. After a year of paying the highest food prices in nearly four decades, industry insiders are warning that your grocery bill is set to shoot up even higher this winter, and the coming round of increases is going to be extremely painful. 50, 60, and even 70% price hikes are no longer a threat, but a reality millions of households in the United States are already facing. At this point, more than one in five Americans American families is reporting food insecurity due to the skyrocketing costs, according to the results of a survey released yesterday by the Urban Institute. Our domestic food production took a massive hit this year, and farmers are fuming, with the situation saying that things are definitely not going to be okay. Meanwhile, supermarket CEOs and restaurant chains are telling the public to buy and stock up on supplies while they still can, because conditions are only going to get more complicated from here on. In other words, it's time to get ready for a cold, dark winter, while our hard-working population gets increasingly fed up with the oppressive cost of living and the abusive surge in food inflation that may send some people over the edge. Winter is coming and so is another price shock at grocery stores. Tens of millions of Americans are already struggling with empty shelves and inflated prices. And according to ReadyWise, an emergency food supply company, U.S. consumers shouldn't ignore food shortage warnings because these alarming trends are expected to continue and worsen in 2023, with egg prices soaring 40%, chicken and meat prices rising 22%, flour getting 23% more expensive, and even bread facing double-digit price increases. It's clear that the official rate of food and grocery inflation currently standing at 12 and 14% prospectively do not tell the whole story. What consumers are seeing when they go to the supermarket is deeply disturbing. A new report published by the New York Times revealed that shoppers are reporting 50 to 70% price increases at their local supermarkets. Susan Pollock, a property manager from Marina del Rey, California, said that at a local Costco, a five-pack of short ribs is almost 70% higher than a year ago go, jumping from around $60 to $200 last month. I told my husband we're never having short ribs again, she said. At a stop and shop in Elizabeth, New Jersey, Hogadale, the 35-year-old in Stackart shopper pointed out that a single packet of powder drink mix that once sold for 25 cents shot up to 56 cents more than doubling in price. Lord forbid if you have a big shop to do. Miss Dale said as she left the grocery store with a customer's order, you're literally penny-pinching. This inflation thing is a real problem another shopper added when you are paying twice as much to fill your gas tank 
and twice as much for everything, you've got to say to yourself, well, can I really afford to buy everything I need? As food staples face a price barrel, more and more people are being forced to cut back on spending to be able to make meat. For Angie Goodman, a housekeeper from Culver City, California, who would usually eat meat once a week, the recent spikes that push the price of steak up by 50% mean that she may only be able to eat meat once a month. Miss Goodman 54 noted that she makes less than $15 an hour a figure that has remained stagnant as the cost of living continued to climb. Basic things are very expensive, she said. It's crazy. I'm just taking extra loans to pay for my expenses. I'm maxing out on my credit cards. In recent weeks, furious shoopers have flooded the internet with stories on how much the rise in everyday expenses is impacting their families. One of them shared their shopping on Reddit, shocking others with a basket of just 15 items for over $50. When I saw the bill, I definitely felt that America is getting way too expensive to even cover basic needs, he wrote. The bad news is that the next wave of price increases is expected to reflect the ripple effect of over 24 months of disruptions in our food supply chain and our domestic agricultural production. In plain English, prepare your wallets because another blow is coming. Some of the nation's leading food suppliers, farmers, industry insiders, supermarket CEOs, and restaurant chains are all sounding the alarm about winter price hikes. Early last month, Kraft, Tyson, and Campbell Soup all warned they would raise prices on a series of products due to surging costs for labor, packaging, ingredients, and transportation. The Wall Street Journal reported fast food joints like McDonald's, Shake Shack, and Cracker Barrel have also said they will pass on the higher cost of consumers this holiday season. Inflation is real and it's not going to get any better anytime soon in the restaurant business. Shake Shack CEO Randy Carotti said at the company's latest investor conference, Campbell Soup just revealed plans to raise prices for the fourth time this year with the rising cost of some products hurting sales to baby boomers. CEO Mark Klaus noted, We know the pressure that consumers are feeling, Klaus said, arguing that they don't know what else they can do to navigate the current economic environment. On top of that, Tyson Foods said another 24% increase in beef prices is coming before year's end starting this month. And Sanderson Farms, the country's third largest chicken producer, said that the cost of its products is going to jump 34% during this final quarter. Food maker and processor Hormel Foods shared an even more alarming forecast, given that prices for corn and soybean meal for livestock feed surge, 125% and 40% respectively. Prices at the store are going to go up accordingly this winter. If prices of grain, grain-based meals, and meat at our local supermarkets absorb even a fraction of these spikes, this means we are all in deep trouble. The average American household is already being forced to spend an extra $500 per month on food according to an analysis from Moody's Analytics C. Senior economist Ryan Sweet.
Are you ready to see your grocery bill doubling, tripling, and reaching stratospheric heights in the next few months? Because more than one in five U.S. households are not. A survey released yesterday by the Urban Institute and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation found that 22% of American families reported food insecurity in September, with food prices skyrocketing at the same time that many of the pandemic relief provisions have ended. Many families and individuals have struggled to afford enough food. Jamie Bartle, Senior Program Officer at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation said in a statement, policies need to be put in place immediately to ensure that everyone in every community in America, especially our children, has equitable access to healthy, affordable food. He emphasized, the outlook is not reassuring. I think food prices are going to continue to increase for probably a good year. Year and a half alerts Phil Leppard, founder of SupermarketEuro.com. On the same note, Supermarket CEO John Kayser is urging Americans to buy now because food inflation will only get much worse. I've seen price increases coming through for the whole year between price increases and shrink inflation where it used to be 32 ounces. Now it's gonna be 28 ounces. It's anywhere from a 10 to a 50% increase in food prices. The food industry expert encouraged Americans nationwide to stock up on their favorite products to get a better return on your investment, especially if prices soar over the holiday season. Even the USDA is saying that all food categories are expected to increase as we head toward the end of 2022. And yes, that's on top of the grocery price hikes consumers have already been forced to endure throughout the whole year. Those who work in the industry are extremely frustrated with the situation, especially when they're blamed for price increases that are beyond their control. In a recent video, one angry farmer explained why your grocery bill will keep rising. Holly, who operates the family-run farm in Milan, Ohio, used her TikTok account to explain why farmers can see the dark horizon ahead of shoppers in grocery stores. There are things that we have to buy to keep running. There's something we have to buy that two years ago cost us $24. Last year was about $46. This year it's costing us $96. That's a 40% surge in the past 24 months. Another local farmer was drowning in the cost to feed his cattle $8,000 a month, they revealed. Please understand food prices are going to go up. She pleaded, people want to act like it's the farmer's fault. It's not the farmer's fault. We are barely making it to grow the stuff. So you guys are able to get it this holiday season. With increasing desperation, she added, guys, this is not going away. Stop sticking your head in the sand and thinking, oh, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. She stressed, the truth is that just as grocery prices, prices for certain farm inputs are outpacing the inflation rate. A University of Illinois study reported in April, a general index for farm index prices is more than double the general inflation rate right now. And in the last quarter alone, Gord's reports that U.S. food production costs 
were up 11% to $437 billion with fertilizers, which are energy-intensive to manufacture, and pesticides experiencing some of the biggest price increases. More than 57% of the fertilizer used in the United States is nitrogenous, and a critical input for nitrogenous fertilizers is natural gas, which can account for 70 to 90% of its manufacturing cost. When the price of fertilizer goes up, those increased costs can show up in the price of food. Moreover, hikes in oil prices, conflicts, emerging diseases, poor governance, and supply chain imbalances, transportation challenges have all come together to create a potentially devastating scenario for our food system, analysts said. These factors have created a perfect storm for a food collapse. Chair of the Academy of the Global Food Economics warned, adding assault to injury demand for food isn't flexible. Consumers may be able to skip other purchases such as clothing or gasoline, but at the end of the day, everyone has to eat. The big elephant in the room is the need for us to change our diets as a result of increasing demands. Unless urgent action is taken, the experts caution that the crisis could have dire consequences. Changes in the availability of food might alter the way we eat for years. Social conflicts could be aggravated and spread. Purely instability in major urban areas. A breakdown in food systems could throw the entire nation into disarray, explained Chris Barrett, an economist economist and food policy at Cornell University, a food crisis is a price crisis, he said, stressing that its implications are widespread and touch every person's life, even if they don't immediately realize it. It really is a bunch of crises coming together. Food is a key element of any community's culture. When that element becomes less or is removed altogether, civil turbulence can certainly erupt. Food at its basic level is not discretionary. Mark Hamrick, a senior economic analyst at Bankrate.com. That's the challenging aspect to the circumstances we are in. Consumers are prepared for high prices to persist in the foreseeable future, and it's prudent for individuals to continue to be cautious with their household budgets. He advised, it's belt tightening time and has been for a while. Hamrick said, unfortunately, the mess has been made. The damage done to our food supply chain cannot be undone overnight. Right now, no matter what actions the government takes, life is going to get more expensive for all of us and a lot more difficult for millions of low-income families out there. Even if you are well-fed and all your loved ones and neighbors are well-fed, you are going to be impacted by this. This winter will be a troubling time for all Americans. Anger, frustration, and despair will continue to sweep the United States. It feels like our hard-working population can never catch a break. Go Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go Brandon, all your honor. Let's go Brandon. All you know your honor. what they say, ho. Let's go Brandon, all your honor. Let's go Brandon. All you know your what honor. they say, ho. Let's go. Let's go. Children are taken from innocent parents. Tonight's Seven Action News reporter Kim Russo shows us why it's so important to know your rights if CPS comes calling. They're running with Child Protective Services. A mother noticed a bruise on her infant daughter and took her then to the doctor. What followed is a horror story. The parents believe it happened to anyone. 
You found four documents of an open case where a judge goes on the record claiming a case for her made up her mind to take away the children because she didn't like that the parents didn't react quickly enough during the initial visit. He accuses the caseworker of, quote, getting ticked off. Her job, investigate whether children were abused. Her employer, the Pasco County Sheriff's Office, put her in cuffs for falsifying an investigation. County employee who's supposed to help keep children safe is now behind bars. Former CPS employee charged with child abuse. State facility for foster children. This after an employee claimed workers who were supposed to be taking care of trafficking victims were actually trafficking the children themselves. An employee with Child Protective Services is caught on camera telling a 14-year-old girl in foster care to become a prostitute. You know, a lot of the girls that are in being trafficked have come through the uh, foster care system. Brenda Burns is now in hiding because the police and Child Protective Services workers have come knocking twice in the last few weeks. According to court documents, CPS could not determine who caused the injury, and that prompted the agency to take the brand's two children while they were at work. This week-old baby was removed by Child Protective Services the day before Thanksgiving. A medical examiner recently testified in court that Lucas Webb had dozens of bruises and cuts all over his body, internal damage, and injuries that were weeks old. His mother wants to know why, despite several hotline calls, a doctor never examined. The leaders have been trying to manage a CPS sex abuse scandal since last summer. It uncovered years of underreporting and or limited action by the district in cases of rape and sexual misconduct. In court filings, Bufre says she became an underage teen sex slave for Epstein, who was later directed by Maxwell and Epstein to have sex with many, quote, powerful men, including numerous prominent American politicians, powerful business executives, foreign presidents, and other world leaders. The San Francisco building being picketed today has no signs, just a plaque with a picture of an owl and the mysterious inscription, weaving spiders come not here. This is the Bohemian Club, an exclusive playground, a home away from home for some of the richest and most powerful people. The Child Protective Services CPS scandal is spreading around America as news organizations and citizens realize that CPS agents and social workers are snatching kids out of their families and they are taking them into a life of human trafficking and criminal underground sex trafficking. We have spoken to parents and children who have survived CPS sex trafficking and this is only going to get more relevant as politicians continue to try to push policies that take kids out of the home. We spoke to a Native American mother and she had an amazing story. She's one of numerous parents whose kids, whose babies have been re returned to her in either a sealed casket or um, just, um, you know, cremated. Uh, this is this is what's happening and it's particularly happening in Contra Costa County, California. So let's hear from this mom. After the paramedics took my Native American son in the ambulance <clears throat> and refused to do CPR on him or offer him any type of life-saving techniques, and they would not allow me to see his body once it entered the ambulance. And when they took his body to the morgue, they still would not let me see it. And they said that if I want to have a funeral for him, it has to be a closed casket. 
and I'm not allowed to view it, even though I requested a viewing, they would not allow me to see my son at all. The casket was locked at the viewing and I was not able to identify if my son was there or not. A 60-year-old Native American woman was murdered in Concord in Contra Costa County, California in August of 2022. There are many Native American indigenous women that go missing and are murdered and they're never investigated by the police. This woman was targeted by the Children and Family Services her whole life and her Native American daughter was ripped from her arms by racist social workers. And then they placed her daughter in a non-Native home, which is a violation of the Indian Child Welfare Act law, where the people that took her in were relatives of the child molester who molested her. This is who Children and Family Services places kids with, is child molesters and their families. Judges who have full knowledge of this child trafficking, where the kids are being murdered in foster care homes, they're sending repeatedly more children to the same homes where they, there's known offenses. Uh, families that have trafficked children, have been in trouble, have had reports issued against them, continuously get more children from these judges from the same country. Costa County area. Three judges I want to mention in the Bay Area specifically have, I know firsthand, I firsthand knowledge that they're well aware of child trafficking and they just do absolutely nothing about it. In fact, what they do is, is attack the parents and try to, to quiet the parents so that the parents are unable to fight in court, particularly mentioning Judge Lois Haight, Judge Barbara Hinton, both from Contra Costa County, have firsthand knowledge of this trafficking. And all they do is to, to address it is to attack the parents, try to get TROs, temporary restraining orders against the parents, uh, protective orders so the parents can't do anything, or, or deem those parents as vexatious litigants for standing up for their rights. It's a violation of the Sixth Amendment, the U.S. Constitution. You have a right to bring your grievances to the government. That's a unconstitutional matter and you have a right to stand up for your kids that just because they're getting paid so much money from the federal government they're receiving title d and e title four funds over a hundred thousand dollars per kid and that's every year if they can retain the kids if they give the kids back rightfully to the parents they lose the funding so they have no incentive to do so all they do over and over and over again is deem these parents as unfit. If the parents want to fight this, they take it to the lower appeals court. The lower appeals court, I have firsthand experience of it, and my opinion is they're very corrupt. They rubber stamp 97% of the time whatever horrible decision comes out of Contra Costa County or any CPS court, so lower court case, and, and only 3% of the time are they reversing it. And this is just, it's an epidemic across the U.S. So they obviously know about it. I know for firsthand that they know about it because I've been in the third, I've been in the appeals court and I've made sure that they're aware of what's going on. I've also been to the district attorney's office in Martinez for Contra Costa County. I made very sure they're aware of what's going on. They didn't want to talk to me about it. They're just pretending it's not a problem, ignoring it. And then any parent that comes forward, they threaten those parents with being put in jail for fighting for their children. Dr. Whitefeather, a Native American legal expert who told us that Child Protective Services is violating the Indian Child Welfare Act, which passed in 1978, because they are taking Native children from their Native homes and then putting them with non-Native American adoptive and foster parents. We have to implicate 
that the CPS is working towards a genocidal act. They've been pre-informed that the child is native, and yet ICWA has not understood that the matrilineal or the mother's bloodline is what dictates with ICWA, BLM, the BIA, they all go by the mother's side of the bloodline. If your mother is native, then you're 100% native, no matter how much your blood percentage is. So like she brought up that her mother is a boarding school survivor. Her mother has a public apology written from the crown, the queen of England, for her being picked up in the boarding school. So under all international laws that have to do with treaties, her mother has been recognized as a full-blood native. So because her mother is full-blood native in the BIA's eyes, in the government's eyes in Washington, D.C., so that makes her and the children full-blood native because the, their grandmother is. In ICWA, all children are supposed to remain with the native bloodline. So if the mother is native, then the child is to remain with the mother's bloodline and the grandparents and so forth. And if the father is native, then the child goes to the father's custody. And granted, if one side of the family is better off than the other, that's also a stipulation. That's not, that's, you know, that's just human nature. You know, it doesn't go against natural law. So I'm helping with the Seneca Nation on a, a case with them. They're not going by ICWA. They're going by natural law or they're going by the matrilineal. This is why I say everybody needs to learn who we are because even the Seneca nation, the native is male. The mother has been on recording just because the babies were crying and she couldn't handle it, whether it's PTSD or post-traumatic syndrome, but she was beating the children, literally beating them just because they were crying. So the tribe stepped in and the tribe gave the kids to her parents. Our traditional ways is, is the kid always stays with the woman because the child needs to be raised by the mother until they get older. And then the dad can take them off and go teach them how to fish and hunt and all that good stuff. The Native American baby is just one of numerous dead children in the Contra Costa government system. Desiree Ramirez died at the age of four months in the Contra Costa foster care system and her parents sued the county. According to their lawsuit, Desiree Ramirez, quote, had internal bleeding in her abdominal cavity and bruises to her internal organs and on the back of her head, unquote. A social worker named Tasha Mazel lied to claim that she was Desiree's next of kin and the Contra Costa system had Desiree's body cremated. Other dead foster children in Contra Costa County include Deanna Green, who supposedly died from ingesting baking soda and whose parents sued and won a settlement from the county. Why did Deanna Green also have abdominal trauma? Is there any feeling from health services that, you know, I, I know Dr. Walker saying that we're all looking back, hindsight 2020. Is there any feeling of responsibility from the health services department in what happened here? I think we always feel responsibility when we've seen a patient, any patient, before something bad happens. And again, 2020 hindsight, because we've done something different. Uh, that's, that's the lens with which we're looking at this incident. Uh, the coroner's report talks about an abdominal, abdominal trauma of some kind. Was that indicated at all in either of those cases? No. 
<clears throat> Stephen Gavin Unangst Jr. died in foster care with prescription drugs in his system. Charles Thomas McIntyre III died at the age of 18 months when his adoptive father stabbed him. What is happening in the so-called child welfare system? A recent study found a concerning trend in the way foster care children in California are drugged with powerful psychotropic substances without the adults in charge taking the appropriate steps to try to make sure the drugs are safe. Meanwhile, foster care kids have a 42% greater chance of dying than kids who are left with their own loving families. Meanwhile, a CPS worker in Houston tried to coerce a 14-year-old foster girl into a life of prostitution, and the girl cleverly caught it on tape, and a Fox affiliate ran this. An employee with Child Protective Services is caught on camera telling a 14-year-old girl in foster care to become a prostitute. That's right, and this girl is one of hundreds of kids in CPS custody living in hotels all over the state. Earlier this year, a federal judge scorned Child Protective Services for making kids available for prostitution in the CPS system. Now we have a case where an employee with that state agency is actually encouraging prostitution of a 14-year-old child. CPS is housing the girl at a hotel. She's one of dozens in Harris County. In the video, she tells the CPS employee she wants food. The CPS worker tells her to be a prostitute. I mean, she was basically encouraging a 14-year-old girl to become a prostitute. And giving her an incentive to do so, and almost a threat uh, of not having her needs being met if she didn't do what this woman very explicitly told her to do. If I, me, the parent, was to do something like this to my child, I would be bashed, I would be called a horrible parent, I would lose my kids. So we are speaking to parents nationwide who are taking action against CPS. Andrea Wood, as you know, is the president of California Family Advocacy. Harvard-trained Dr. Susan Spell's children were snatched in a custody dispute. Spell says that a social worker lied to her. The social worker said to bring her kids to court to report alleged abuse by her ex, but instead the bailiff seized her kids. Susan Spell got a settlement from Los Angeles County by proving that social workers lied under oath in her case. Now, Susan Spell's case against Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services, alleging racial discrimination against her children, is docketed at the United States Supreme Court. And that's major momentum for the movement to expose and to stand up to CPS. So in 2020, why did California Governor Gavin Newsom sign a bill that would allow some adults to have anal sex with children as young as 14 without necessarily having to register as sex offenders? It's disturbing that globalists want to raise children collectively in our society. In 2019, the Heritage Foundation published an editorial called Pelosi's Equality Act could lead to more parents losing custody of kids who want gender transition. 
Now, remember, it was Nancy's son, Paul Jr., who got Karina Feng's children seized by CPS to shake her down in a business dispute to get control of her family property. So an eyewitness said that Pelosi Jr. actually yanked Karina Feng's six-year-old daughter, quote, causing her to cry while Paul enjoys it. Gee, I wonder why that girl is in the CPS system right now while Paul Jr. is still at large. Now, Nancy Pelosi comes from the D'Alessandro family from Baltimore. Her father was reportedly investigated by John F. Kennedy's FBI for organized crime connections. So in her first run for Congress, Nancy was actually endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America. If you didn't know that, she, she was the DSA candidate. Her husband is a bigwig attendee of the Bohemian Grove ceremony. Now, Alex Jones infiltrated Bohemian Grove and found out that the elite members appear to worship Moloch in the so-called cremation of care ceremony. This is consistent uh, with the darker workings of the occult, not just with the Western uh, countries, but also worldwide. <laughs> There you see the funeral pyre burning uh, with the effigy of a human, or it could be real, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there's been a lot of strange going-ons in that area of Northern California, but this is what the establishment is into uh, right here in America, the cremation of care. And this was July 15th, 2000. <laughs> But here's the really concerning thing about Nancy Pelosi as it relates to the CPS issue in Northern California and the culture of human trafficking. Nancy Pelosi personally rents office space. I reported this for National File. Word for word, Nancy Pelosi personally rents office space to a child welfare group, First Five San Mateo County, that was set up by a convicted pedophile. The group partners with a nonprofit that ran a group house where child molestation occurred, and it also partners with a conflict resolution center that had a volunteer convicted for storing hundreds of images of child porn. We exclusively obtained the lease documents showing that Nancy Pelosi is the group's landlady dating back to 2002, the same year that monstrous pedophile Dr. William Ayers was given an award by city politicians for his work with the group. By that time, numerous pedophilia allegations, including a police report, had been made against Ayers, who was later convicted on pedophilia charges in 2007 and he died in prison where he belonged. Pedophile Dr. William Ayers worked for the San Mateo Children and Families First Commission, which later became San Mateo County First Five, beginning in 1999. He was always the power in that group, the designer of that group. And it turns out that former San Mateo County Chief Probation Officer Stuart Forrest was caught with 470 naked boy pictures and convicted in 2013 for child porn. Forrest reportedly knew Dr. William Ayers for years, from a period in which Forrest worked at Hillcrest Juvenile Hall. That's where Ayers conducted sessions with boys. Stuart Forrest was identified as a volunteer at Peninsula Conflict Resolution Center, and First Five San Mateo County, which is uh, Nancy Pelosi's tenant, they identified Peninsula Conflict Resolution Center as a valuable partner, not to mention the fact that First Five San Mateo County partners with a group called Star Vista, a nonprofit that runs a group home where a counselor was convicted of molesting children. So ladies and gentlemen, 
this is just getting started. And if you didn't know these things about the Pelosi family, you know them now, and you're going to keep knowing them, and you're going to learn more and more because we are going to be back here on Bandot Video every single night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time with a new documentary segment. So thank you so much for watching Save the Babies too, and let us stand up to child protective services, child trafficking, and by God, by God, by God, okay, let us finally finally confront the scribes and Pharisees in the public square and say, you must be on the right side of history and choose to be on the right side of history and help us to stop this CPS child trafficking. Thank you and God bless you. Go Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go Brandon. Let's go Brandon. You know what they say, huh? Let's go Brandon. Let's go Brandon. You know what they say, huh?